Katie Roaring. And I'm Eric Roaring. And we're the founders of Fontana Candle Co. In four years, we took our hobby of making candles in our basement and selling them at craft shows and makers markets, and we turned Fontana into a nationally recognized e-commerce brand. This year, we are doing seven figures of revenue and have nine employees. So how did we do it? Welcome to the Candle Couple Podcast, where we will share the nitty-gritty of scaling our e-commerce brand quickly. We are spilling the tea, so hopefully we can help you scale your brand quickly, too. Episode number one of our podcast. Episode one. So this was really your idea, just like the candle business was your idea, so why are we starting this podcast? Basically, I think we have a lot of information that we can share. We have, we've gone through a lot of trials and, and pain and blood, sweat, and tears tears growing our candle company. And we've had a lot of friends who've started candle companies. We've had a lot of friends start other maker companies and they are going through the same struggles that we went through. And we wanted to use our experiences to help others grow. so low and that's the amazing part anybody can start an e-commerce company but I think it's the scaling it that's really where you know a lot of people get stuck a lot of people you know get frustrated they quit I mean what's what's the stats like 90% of startups go out of business in five years yeah and we don't fortunately don't we don't know too many people that have gone out of business but most of the people we know have not gone they stall. They stall. They they are at year one still. Yeah, they're still at their makers markets and not doing a terrible amount of volume online. So what did what did we do differently to just scale rapidly? I guess that's what we really want to dive into on this podcast. Right. This isn't going to be a podcast about how to make candles. No. There's a hundred thousand YouTube videos on how to make candles and everything else. So. That's how you I did. Yep, I YouTubed a lot, and then also did 150 different formulations of our of our candle to figure out what we had. But this is our story of how we've built our company from a hobby in our kitchen to now a one million dollar plus company, and have nine employees in four years, and all the blood, sweat, and tears we've we've gone through. Right, they kind of gloss over the really painful years of growth to, oh, we have VC funding and now we're rich. Yeah, so that, I mean, that always frustrates the heck out of me. Yes, yes. How did you do it? Yes, we don't have VC funding yet and we're not rich yet, so you're still going to be doing this story with us. us. (laughs) You're still along for the ride with us. Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, we do have a good grasp now of procurement, of manufacturing, of fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, that's how we were able to hit seven figures of revenue. Yeah. You need to have a decent grasp on operations. Yeah, and and you have to have a balance of the vision of of what the candle needs to look like and how to market it. But then you also have to have the operations of how do you scale the ops 
with that growing marketing? How do you manage cash flow? How do you increase your procurement? How do you increase your tech stack? There comes HR. HR is a big part of our to-do list now. Yes. And it wasn't even a year ago, it wasn't. No, not even a year ago. No, I think we've had an employee for 11 months now. Yes. So. So the business is always changing. As we grow rapidly, the business is always changing, and our to-do list is always changing, and we're always learning, but we will try to share the details of what we have learned to get to this point so far. Yeah, we really want you guys to learn from us and with us as we continue to grow. So I say, you know, if you, you don't want to own a candle company, you can still glean a lot of information from this podcast. It's not specific to candles. Yeah, I think that's a fair point because we may be talking about candles because that's our experience, but we've talked with people who have no product whatsoever. We've digital, talked digital, digital product yeah, to people who make soaps, to people who make lip gloss to people Merch. who make merchandising. Yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly. Arts and crafts type of stuff of wall hanging yeah. items. Food. Food. Yep, all of it. Those are huge right now. Yep. And that's the best thing about being an e-commerce company. It doesn't really matter what you sell. Nope. I think most of the principles remain the same. Yeah, and I think it's almost like procurement. I did procurement for chocolate and cocoa and then switched into ceiling tiles and chemicals I couldn't even say the names. But the fundamentals of how to buy something and negotiate a contract are very much the same. And it's kind of the same here of, okay, we do candles in an e-commerce business, but that doesn't mean it's totally different if you were doing cookies. And I think that might be what made us successful to this point is we don't look at ourselves as just candeliers or candle makers. Mm -hmm. We truly look at ourselves as business people and business owners. That's right. And we take our running the business very seriously we want to work on our business and not just in our business that's right yeah we are very disciplined in our business approach with closing the books every month setting budgets for everything we do that book um the e-myth i read that for college for management degree and that is what this is you can't just work in your business we can't just be candle makers we have to constantly be working you can, but you're probably not going to go anywhere beyond the hobby business then. Mm-hmm. Which, Maybe a couple hundred thousand yep. at that point. Yep. Which that's not a bad limit. <laughs> if you want to do that, sometimes there's days where it's, hey, let's just go back to that. Yes. I think now would be a good time to maybe talk a little bit about our background. Yep. Do you want to talk about Sure, yeah. So I alluded earlier I was in procurement. Uh, before that, I was an accountant. So I got my degree in accounting in Spanish. Uh, worked for Cargill Incorporated in their cocoa and chocolate division in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Uh, started as an accountant and really focused my accounting on the trading position. So uh, cocoa and chocolate used commodities and did hedging. And I was in charge of reconciling the position and all the accounting that went with that. Fast forward a couple of years and I was able to start trading myself. I was able to be offered an opportunity to start Instead of counting money, making money and doing trading, which is really where I learned procurement and really learned about contract negotiation terms, um, how to utilize working capital, really got a holistic view of business in general, of working with plants, working with supply chains, working with logistics. And that's really helped and translated into 
this business and helping us scale from, you know, buying containers of coconut oil off the shelf at the local grocery store to buying pallets of it at a time and having it delivered. So that's really helped with that. Um, my accounting background, I am able to close the books every month. I'm able to talk to our accountant in a financial acumen that um, he can relate to. And we don't have to spend months reconciling P&Ls every month because I do that every month. That's a part of my job. Yeah, and daily. So I'll do a daily P&L, and I actually do P&Ls based on every sale to understand margins. But that's also one of my strong su- strong suits and something I enjoy doing. You are our numbers guy. I'm the numbers guy. And yeah. I say that's why we're still in business. We are still in business because you are the numbers guy. Well, that... that the financial piece and making sure our cash flow is solid, like... Yeah. I would say that's why we're still in business. Yeah, and I would say to your side of it, though, is why we've been able to grow. So that yin and yang to business is really important, and I am not good at marketing. So what's your background? So my background, I am definitely an entrepreneur at heart. I never wanted to work corporate. I can't fathom working a nine-to-five. Have you worked corporate? Um, I worked temporarily for a bank in the mortgage department. I processed mortgages for maybe six months. Yeah. They wanted to hire me on, but I just could not sit in that cubicle all day. It's hard. <laughs> not easy for me. Yep. So instead, now I choose to work twenty four seven for us. My favorite saying is, "It's just like um, Henry Ford and his cars. You can choose any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. You can work any hours you want if you're an entrepreneur, as long as it's all of them." But you were also a little hamstrung in that business and couldn't fully run it the way you thought it should be run. No. I mean, the partnerships always work out until they don't work out. Yeah. And after about three years, that partnership. Because you and I butt heads a lot. And we're married. We do. But that partnership had run its course. Yes. Yeah. But you learned a lot from doing it. Yeah. That goes back to our earlier comment of if you just want a small business that's it's yours and you do it yourself versus trying to build it to a $50 million company. And my goal, I mean, was always to have five to ten locations. Right. So that business did stagnate, in my opinion. Right. Well, that's a fundamental direction of business on what do you want out of your business. Mm-hmm. I burned out. 
making my nervous, and that was right about when we were getting married. Mm-hmm. And we always said we wanted to own a business together. We did, yep. We, we always had that entrepreneurship passion. background. Yep. Yeah, we, yep. My dad owned his own business growing up, and he never worked for anybody, so entrepreneurship is in my blood as well. And I think that was something we very quickly bonded over. Oh my gosh, yeah. When we were dating, we were always talking about business plans and opportunities. And but we never, ever thought we would own a candle business. Like, that wasn't even on the radar. That wasn't a thing at all. If you would have said to me that we would own a candle business, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah, because I actually wanted to invest in your dog daycare. Mm-hmm. That was turned down also. That was turned down. So, we never thought we would own a candle business. So, how did we get into having a candle business? So, that was just like this podcast is your idea. The candle business was your idea, too. Yeah. Well, so in 2017, we got a candle from a friend. That was a big brand candle. That was for Christmas. That was for Christmas. Yep. We weren't big candle people, but... It's hard to say that now. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. We weren't candle people, but we lit it. And after about an hour, hour and a half, we had splitting headaches. We don't traditionally have headaches. And so not we... Not at the same time. Not at the same time. No, exactly. And we were trying to figure out what changed in our environment that gave us these headaches and pretty quickly narrowed it down to the candle. We did a little bit of research on why that could be and found out really quickly how toxic traditional candles are. So sorry if you're a fan of traditional candles. So yep. Not to break your heart. Yep. But they are full of hundreds to thousands of non-disclosed chemicals. Toxins. And so we did some research on them and found out that the fragrance and the paraffin wax are huge contributors to air pollution inside your home and said, I could do this better. I can make something better, something that's non-toxic and safe for our homes. Well, actually natural ingredients. Actually natural. Not just, I mean, they all say they're made with natural ingredients, but then they're really not. Right. They, they're made with, yeah. not exclusively. That lovely marketing jargon. That's right. So we started doing some research on natural candles and narrowed it to natural ingredients. That's where your procurement really came into play. Yep. And then my lack of chemistry really came in and that it took me 150 iterations of our blend to make our first candle that we gave away to friends and family as gifts. And it turned into a date night of, okay, let's every Thursday make some candles and we gave them away, and people started saying, yeah, these are really nice. I'd buy some of these. And I really thought this would be a fad. Yep. Because you do this. You yep. get a new hobby, and you go hard on this new hobby for a couple weeks, and then it slowly dies off. And then it dies off. And I thought the candles really did it in. Like, drone racing. Remember drone racing? Vaguely, yeah. Piano playing. Yeah. yeah. Not candles. <laughs> Not candles. <laughs> yep. So we started giving more and more away for gifts. And as people, more and more people said that, hey, we'd buy these, we went to a maker's market and we sold $800 worth in our first show and thought it was, was it was a big deal. And so we just kept on going. We went to more and more shows and made more and more candles. And well, I, I need to back it up for a minute. So we did our first maker's market in March 2018. But we filed for our LLC in January 2018. So we actually filed for our LLC before we even attempted to sell one candle. Yeah, that's where our business comes in, though, and said we can't sell a candle without having a business, and we filed a business. 
before. Maybe it was official before we even knew if our candles were any good. I think we owned three businesses before this that did nothing before, so. Yes, I think we have three or four of them still. Legal Zoom loves us, yes. But that's our background of, well, we need to make sure we have insurance. We need to make sure we have our LLC set up. We need to make sure that we're personally protected before we sell a candle. And so that was just that background we had. And that's what we did. We did. And we did. And then we sold more and more and more. More and more and more. And I would say we, we found our niche, and that's what really helped make us successful. So with all of that growth... How did we handle it? How did we prepare for it? How did we have our team set or lack of our team set for it? What kind of technology did we use? Tech stack. Tech stack. How did we prepare? So this is what we really want to talk through in this podcast of how did our procurement strategy change? How did our marketing strategy change? How did our fulfillment strategy change? How did our production change? Because the way we make candles today is not anywhere close to how we made candles back in 2018. And I am continually in my mind thinking about how we expand to make 100,000 candles next year versus 50,000 this year. Everything comes down to process. Everything. Everything. Picking, packing. Yep. Everything is a process. Katie is playing with her marketing budget next year of PPC versus influencer versus podcasting advertising. So how does that change and grow not only with our increased size of the company, but also an ever-changing environment of advertising. There's a lot that goes into it. How do we solicit help? Who do we solicit help from in areas that we aren't experts in? And how do we recognize when we're not an expert in something? I think that's part of success, too. We know immediately when we are not good at something, and we will ask for help. Yep, and that's a lot of the thing that you and I bicker about is that I'm hesitant to ask for help. I've always been hesitant to ask for help. But that's where you and I balance each other out. And an important message of this is if you want to grow and as you grow, you make sure you have someone on your side that will fight you. You can't do this by yourself. No, you can't. You cannot do every task as you grow and scale. If you feel like you need to do every task yourself, you will not grow. Nope. There's only so many hours in the day. You need to know what you're good at. You need to focus on that and find people to fill in the rest. That's right. So we plan on doing these podcasts every week and focusing on each one of our expertise in our business, what we failed at, what we succeeded at, how we overcame failures. What is it like to work with your spouse? How we've continued to grow and hopefully will continue to grow. So, so here's-